Welcome to the Marketing Stir podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ears. I'm Jared Walls, associate producer and Starista's creative copy manager. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders to get their take on the current challenges of the market, but also have a little fun along the way. In this episode, Vincent and AJ chat with Paroma Sin, Global Marketing Director at SAP. She delves into how marketing strikes the balance between art and science, explores the importance of fostering thought leadership in her day-to-day, as well as recounting an epiphany she had while living in Texas as a college student. AJ finally catches up on sleep, and Vincent is jealous. Give it a listen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. It's another episode of The Marketing Stir. I'm Vincent Petrofessa, of course, one of your hosts, the Vice President of B2B Products and Partnerships here at Starista. Starista, what, who are they? Well, Starista is an identity marketing company. We actually own our own business-to-business and business-to-consumer databases. We help you with email marketing, customer acquisition, send us your first party data. We'll enrich it, we'll enhance it, we'll help you send to it. We have our own DSP, Adster, a lot of great things. Email me at vincentatsterista.com. That is how confident I am I'm giving you my email address. My social security number is, I'm kidding, I would never do that. I, uh, but anyway, it's so great to be here. Even better is my co-host, I'm always happy to be around this next uh, person. I haven't seen him in a a while, face-to-face, as far as in person. I do miss him. You get to hear him. Ladies and gentlemen, my CEO, AJ Gupta. Hey, What's going on? I am uh, pretty excited this morning. Uh, In fact, we just closed our largest ever deal with a uh, telecom company. I'm not even allowed. I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say their name yet, so I'll won't say anything yet, but uh, it is it's pretty exciting. So we just got the uh, purchase order. That is exciting. That definitely, well, you know, I guess equal great news. You know, we've also hit over 40,000 uh, people have listened to this podcast, 40,600 by the time this is coming out as confirmed by our never lying producer, Juveria. So that has been great. So a great day indeed indeed that's awesome how was the weekend aj uh pretty relaxing uh caught up on sleep that was uh you know uh, seems to be a trend in the covid world but it's good to catch up on sleep i like sleep yeah i and i'm always so jealous of your sleep uh you also have two children like i do and you're always talking about this sleep i'm like what well, you got to train your kids to take a nap. That's what it's all about. Oh, I know. That would be, uh, you know, that would be great. Tell that to my five-month-old. Oh, <laughs> anyway, enough about that. Speaking of great news all around, I have some great news for you, our listeners to The Marketing Stir. I am so happy we have this next guest joining us today. You'll definitely know of the company, but I want to also introduce you to the person. Before I do, this woman has won the SAP League Award, e-commerce diversity marketing roundtable panelist, star youth achiever award. I want to dig into that because AJ and I also have won some rising stars youth awards. So I want to get into that. 
But I am so happy to introduce, ladies and gentlemen, the Global Marketing Director of SAP. Yes, SAP. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Paroma Sen. What's going on, Paroma? Wow, Vincent, that was some introduction. The only thing missing was a drum roll, and now I feel like the king of the world. <laughs> Thank uh, you. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. You make it so easy. It was already so great talking to you. I just, I, I'm, we're happy that you're here. Welcome. Thank you. I love your enthusiasm. I love your energy, and I'm so happy to be here with all of you today. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you like it. It drives AJ crazy. So I'm glad that you like it at least. But uh, <laughs> Paroma, thank you so much. For, for those of you, I, let's get right into it. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your role within SAP, and then tell slash remind people about SAP. Okay. Whoa, those are three big questions rolled into one. So okay. <laughs> start in that order. Um, so I've been in the technology marketing world for about 15 years, um, and it, it's funny how I landed in this because uh, lots of um, comedy of errors, as they say, right? I started my life thinking I'm going to be an engineer, and I did a bachelor's and a master's, and by the end of it, I told myself that if I have to write one more line of code, I'm going to either kill myself or kill someone else. <laughs> and I missed people, and I missed interactions, so... I was like, what am I going to do? I'm in the US. I am a poor student, can't do anything. So I did the next best thing. I got a MA in advertising. I couldn't afford an MBA at that point. Got an MA uh, from the same school, UT Austin. Cheers to Austin. <laughs> and then somehow I landed up doing marketing for technology. And thank goodness I loved it. So that was my kind of aha moment that, yes, this is something I can do. This is something I love. It's about people. It's about technology. It's about changing the world. And from that point on, you know, I've done semiconductor marketing, I've done licensing software, I've done e-commerce, I've been CMO of four companies along the way, and I landed in enterprise software with SAP. So what does SAP do? SAP is, of course, uh, in the business of helping businesses run better. Now, that's a nice tagline, but what does it actually mean? It means that we do, we provide technology solutions that help your back office and help your front office. Uh, my current role is in the front office side of the business, which is we call customer experience, CX, right? So we have things that help your sales organization run better. We have solutions that help your marketing organization run better, your service organization run better. We have solutions that protect your data, that help you have a, uh, translate your business to an online commerce model, which is so important in today's world, right, with COVID. So a little bit of that, that's what SAP does. Um, I personally lead our B2B industries marketing, which is all the asset intensive industries, manufacturing and high tech, and how do we position ourselves to help those customers run their businesses better? How did I answer all of those three or did I miss something? No, you, you did with, with ease and grace. So yes, you did. You. I, what I love is you're like, well, you know, I got a master's and then I was like, ah, you know what, I'm just going to get another master's degree and switch gears and, you know, jump into a new uh, industry. That That's unique in the sense of, because that's one of the questions we ask is like, why marketing? So you, yeah. you explain, uh, you know, that. Yes. That's uh, well engineered to marketing. AJ, I don't think we've, have we had that one yet? I don't think we have. Mm -mm. That's uh, that's a unique one. We've had uh, police officer to marketing. 
Wow. But we have not, I know that's a weird, but never, and it, but engineer is a unique one as well. I love it. You were like, you know, I, I'm an engineer. I just wanted to also, I like talking to people as <laughs> you're like, right. engineers don't talk to people. Not many, not many, not many at all. Yeah. So, you know, it combines art and science in a way that no other uh, discipline really does. You need the analytics in marketing, which is the science piece, but you also need the creative. You need the, you know, you need those two hemispheres of your brain to connect and then zzz, there's sparks. That's, uh, that's why I love marketing the way I do. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I love it. Uh, one other from me, and then I know AJ's chomping at the bits there to go. Tell us about that, you know, because AJ and I, we always joke about this because we uh, we won these youth awards, right? And we kind of like tongue in cheek. Tell us about that youth uh, youth award. What was that about? You know, honestly, I don't know. Like, like you found it probably on my LinkedIn somewhere. These people found me and gave me an award among 300 <laughs> other people. I was like, wow, okay something I must be doing right. But uh, speaking of awards, one of the awards you mentioned is my personal favorite, which is the SAP One League Award. And uh, that has a story behind it, if I may. Please. Okay. So uh, I was in SAP India at that time, and there had been many years when sales had not awarded marketing for anything. There were, you know, there was a lot of work happening, but the collaboration just wasn't get there, getting there. We had a new CMO, and he's the one who hired me into the role, actually. And we started collaborating with the sales in a very different way. And this is very relevant to B2B marketing, right? It's, it's very different from B2C, where B2C, you have all the tools and technology and rely on that to create your pipeline. In B2B, you really need sales collaboration, no matter how much technology you have. So we were able to drive programs which really ensured their KPIs were getting met, ours were getting met, and the organizational KPIs were getting met. And that was, that's, that's, that was the first award given in all of APJ SAP to a marketer by sales. So I hold it very precious. It, it means a lot to me. I love it. I love it. That is a great story. Yeah, salespeople usually don't give awards to marketers. So right? I yeah. can see why you hold it dearly. <laughs> or compliments for that matter. So. I know. True. I love our marketing team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So from a... You know what? What uh, what is your day to day look like at SAP besides doing uh, podcasts like ours? Ooh, day to day. Well, you this won't be a surprise. The tons of meetings, There's, and especially since uh, COVID hit, it's calls, right? So my calls start usually at six a.m. I try not to do anything before six because I, like you, I love sleep. I love. Sleep. <laughs> 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 and she keeps me up, my cat. But when she doesn't, I like my sleep. So. It's a lot of calls, it's a lot of meetings, it's a lot of program management and pushing and shoving and nudging, nudging people to do their bits so that the outcome can happen in a way that was designed. Now, I make it sound easy, but it's, it's really, the larger the company, the harder it gets to get to those outcomes, to keep your eyes focused on that outcome and every tie, every little call, every little task you do to that larger outcome. So very often we lose focus of that and then we have to come back. So a lot of the day spent in those calls, and then I do a lot of, um, I do a fair bit of thought leadership, which is writing about solutions, writing about technology, leadership, CX, marketing, and how things are changing. What does it mean for how we change our day-to-day -day going towards the future? So yeah, I like to keep it a blend of that because there are hygiene things that have to keep my day-to-day -day going, but I also, the thought leadership is what makes me passionate about my role. And that that's what gives me the fuel to, wake up the next morning and do those infinitesimal 
infinite calls again. So yeah. Yeah, no, I, I that's what I feel like most of the week when I look back. It seems like it's just calls after calls. My so. goodness, yeah. <laughs> and it's all on on your computer now. You're yep. all sitting at home. Yep. Yep. So what does kind of the marketing department at such a large company look like? What are some of the key areas and uh, uh, components within the marketing team? So, okay, so SAP is a company of, I'll just give you a little bit of context and maybe um, this is a, the bit that I missed in Vincent's earlier question. SAP is a company of 100,000 people, right? And SAP's solutions touch about 75% of the world's financial transactions. So it has, it's not just 100,000 people, but then when you look at the ecosystem of partners, employees, customers, it's millions of people in the world who are SAP, who either touch an SAP system in some way or are direct users. So in that kind of a, a large organization, the marketing organization, I would say, is about 2,000, 2,500 people, right? And that spans from everything, from you know corporate global marketing to communications, AR, PR, this product marketing, this field marketing, this every varietal of marketing specialization that you can imagine. Um, it gets hard for our leadership to keep track of how the various parts are moving. So innovation from a process and organizational standpoint often has to be driven bottoms up. We have to take you know, the, the people at the bottom uh, have to take ownership of how things are rolling up and really be proactive about that because leaders don't often have, have that oversight. So that's what I would say. The world of SAP is very complex. It's just that so many people are in the mix. Um, so yeah, that's hmm. what is driving it. And plus now the change, right? I mean, we were a very heavily events-driven organization as marketing. Heavy, lots and lots of uh, investment events, and that's gone away. So we proactively decided as a company that 2020, with what it's brought us with COVID and everything, we were going to digitally transform marketing very, very, um, you know, proactively toward virtual. And all our events have been virtual, everything this year, possibly next year, and then going forward, who knows, right? But we have taken those steps this year. And that's one of the questions I have, uh, Paroma, where, it, you know, even Starista, we loved our face-to-face -face events. I mean, our last event that we went to was in San Francisco and it was March 2nd and we loved it. And we pride ourselves on visiting customers and clients. How have the virtual events been going? Uh, what, what do you view? Obviously there's the obvious there, but what surprised you most about the virtual events in a bad way and in a good way? Yes, that's, that's, a, that's a big question because of how many directions I can take this in. Mm -hmm. um, well, just let's start as simply as possible. When we, and when I say we, I'm saying, I'm talking about the marketing community wider than SAP, the whole, the global marketing professional community. When we realized that the world is now shrunk to our the screens um, and we started going virtual, the first reaction people had was to take physical events like the agenda, the components and translate those into physical, right? Uh, but that didn't quite work because if you put yourself in the mindset of a person who's attending a physical event, what is their mindset? They arrive at the venue the previous evening, staying in a lavish hotel, eating a lavish meal. You know, they have their, their friends, they go down for a drink, they go for a swim. Uh, they're, they sleep in a nice air conditioned environment, soft bed, wake up in the next morning, they have a king size breakfast and they're ready to absorb con content. They're so ready. 
switch to the virtual event attendant. Wakes up at 6.30 a.m., you know, hair is in a mess, the alarm goes off, has to attend an event, <laughs> the kids are screaming, the coffee is spilled, the internet isn't working, and all of that chaos. We still have to deliver our content. We still have to make it interesting. We still have to make it educational, and we still have to make it memorable. How do we do it? Sometimes it seems the challenge is just so, so fast. I've seen some companies um, do bits and pieces well, and some companies do other bits and pieces well. Now, all of that hasn't yet come together to, to be one event that's spectacular. That's still, that's yet to come. Hopefully, 2021, we'll get there even, even further on as we integrate more AR and VR components into our event experience. But some of the things that I feel work are, are beginning to show signs of light at the end of the tunnel. It's that content is king. You do not have the dramatic stage and the lights and the sound and a great speaker and you don't have food and beverage and you don't have a celebrity concert at the end of the day. You have none of that. The only thing you have is content. The only thing you have is storytelling in a human way to engage that other human at the end, other end of your screen, which is your customer, right? And then digital hygiene. So making sure your SEO, you know, when people search for your event, then this is something that actually happened in my company is we're planning an event and the event manager who was used to do physical and now doing virtual, she didn't think of SEO. It just didn't strike her to think of that. So anybody who's searching the event shows up as it's occurring in Barcelona and nobody's going to Barcelona, <laughs> it's virtual. So things like SEO, fundamental digital has to be the bedrock of marketing going forward. Uh, and that has to be part of, no matter what specialization you are, you have to know digital like a native. And, and you mentioned content and storytelling. I mean, you, you're such a great storyteller, by the way. You know, as you're giving that, that story, I'm picturing like, boy, uh, a beautiful breakfast and a king-size bed. And I'm like, being that makes me miss conferences even more. But that, uh, you're right. And I also know that you writing is a passion of yours. We talked about it a little bit how much of your passion for writing seeps into what you do there at SAP? A lot of it does um, because all of these ideas that I'm talking to you right now have originated with me sometime in the past when I was writing something. Um, and I do two kinds of writing. I do business technical writing, um, which is on LinkedIn. And I also, on my side, which I usually don't tell people because it's embarrassing. I do write short stories and, and fiction, like uh, poetry as well. Nice. Medium, that's my alter ego, my moonlighting personality. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I love writing. And um, the reason most thing that, you know, which answers the, the point, how does it intersect with work? I don't know if you know this, Vincent, but a few weeks back on September 9th, we had a day in California where the sun did not rise. We had mm -hmm. orange skies. Uh, because of the wildfires, the smoke had gone up under the marine layer, uh, which is under the fog layer, and there was orange skies for one full day. The sun just did not rise for three days. And I wrote a piece on that, the climate change, how it's affecting us, how solutions are changing, how the B2B and B2C worlds will start changing as we incorporate ESG, uh, ESG measures, which is the environmental sustainability goals and measures, into our business models. What does that mean? What does that mean for consumer awareness? And how can you be as individuals make choices to demand those metrics so that companies will, with more transparency, uh, communicate their, their actions and their um, you know, intentions towards those 
global climate goals, which are, which is, it's affecting me. I mean, that one day I couldn't work. It was, it was just such an apocalyptic situation. You know, you wake up and I keep looking at the watch that it's 10.30, but there's no light. And I kept, I kept fidgeting around, uncomfortable, discomfort feeling. It was horrible, Vincent. Of course, now the blue skies are back in California. Okay. But, uh, you know, and the thing where it brings home with marketing events, right? This one year that we've all been at home, um, I don't know if you've heard the term earth overshoot, but earth overshoot is a concept where it's how, um, in what amount of time we as a species use up earth's resources that are given to us per year. So instead of using it in 12 months, we've been using it up in seven months, six months. But this year when they measured it, the clock had turned back to 2005. So we, in six months of no travel, we've re recouped 15 years of damage done towards climate. And that's powerful. Hmm. That's the kind of stuff I'd like to write about. That's the kind of stuff that is, you know, brings together all of this in a meaningful way that, that I value as, a, as an individual person. Well, Paroma, Vincent is a uh, stand-up comedian by Ooh. the night of some renown. And I have a master's in creative writing. So your secret is safe at this point. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wonderful. And I've done some improv comedy. Last year I was doing some. Oh, now nice. No more hobbies. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. Love, love that. Stand-up comedy is a lot of fun, huh? Yeah, yeah. I've been doing it uh, professionally for about 10 years now. Uh, at night, obviously, my passion uh, as well is data. Um, but... Yeah, I do that. Uh, it's, a, it's my creative release, which is hard to do now, uh, right now, because no comedy clubs are open. I did host the uh, Marketing Edge Awards VIP reception the other day, and that was some comedy uh, there. Some gra some funny jokes, I think, that uh, AJ was a part of. Yeah, it's Very the nice. uh, first, uh, first stand-up comedy I saw over Zoom, and I'm having him do another one for uh, the uh, Cancer Society locally. So. You're, so you're in good company. You're in good company. <laughs> so Burma, over the pandemic, uh, you know, besides kind of the digital transformation, uh, are there any other major changes that have happened within SAP in terms of uh, who you market to or how you're marketing as well? Uh, yes. So SAP's world has changed because our customers' world has changed. Um, we are very close to our customers in terms of we want to be in a place where we help them. And uh, when they're worried, we are worried because it all, it, everybody's connected, right? Not just in a metaphysical way, but in a very pure capitalistic business way. So when this all started in March, April, the first decision that SAP Marketing took, which I was very, very <clears throat> proud of, very happy to see, we decided that we were not going to do any blatant selling, that we were just going to communicate to our customers that we are here to help you we understand that you are very stressed at this point because at that point people were, we were monitoring what people are searching and they were searching things about health, how to keep their families safe, how to keep their jobs safe, um, how to reach out to family that's, that's you know, far away, many countries away. Like my dad, my father is in India and I'm here. I was like, you know, I'm not gonna be able to travel. So we saw that that's what people were searching and we decided we're not gonna do blatant selling for some time. We're just going to offer support, just offer reassurance in an empathetic way and be there for them. I think that was a decision that was very, very significant, given that we are 
such a sales-driven organization, right? We are always chasing KPIs. Our world has changed, yes, but in some ways, we've been able to help customers. A lot of them that had physical stores uh, selling face-to-face, -face, we transformed their selling to online selling through our commerce um, and you know, stabilize those businesses, bringing resilience to business models. Of course, just like everybody else, we are a product of how the market reacts. So for example, if a certain industry suffers, we suffer because we have customers across 24 industries. Uh, a lot of sales has become online now. Uh, and in some cases we are seeing that's better because uh, a lot of travel is on, honestly not needed. Um, and then a lot of places where we would like to give an experiential, um, you know, an experience of a product to a customer that, that does suffer because we cannot meet face-to-face. -face. So it's been a blend of both worlds. Um, and yeah, here we are in the third quarter of Q, uh, you know, 2020. And it's not as bad as, as we expected at the beginning of the year, is what I would say. And still a lot of learning to do, but we've reached here, we are fine, we are safe. Um, and yeah, that's, that's what I can say, right? Yeah, that's great to hear. We are, uh, we are finding ourselves in the same boat. Things seem to be uh, on an upward trajectory with a lot of our clients. Yeah, surprising, but true. Right. Right. Yeah, I think everyone is uh, getting more used to living with this uh, amongst us. Yeah. Uh, Paroma, is there, you know, we get down to the nitty gritty here as well on the marketing stir on some marketing tactics that work. Can you, you know, tell the audience on some marketing tactics that SAP uses, whether it's digital email marketing, whether it's postal, that you and your team employ? Well, historically, there is no type of marketing tactic that we have not employed. We've done, we've run the entire gamut. As of 2019, I can tell you that most of our efforts were focused on face-to-face -face events. And then with, and some of our efforts were focused on digital. So those were the two big pillars. This year, um, it's, it's completely digital, right? So from everything from a digital campaign. So if you talk about search engine optimization, search engine marketing, to affiliate marketing, to you know, thought leadership and content marketing, all of that. And then the whole virtual events piece coming on board and how do we market that? Because an event is not necessarily separated out from a campaign. These are all touch points and, and the way we chart the customer's journey between different touch points uh, you know, maybe they saw an ad for us on some website and they clicked that, they read a web page, went away, then were interested enough to attend a virtual event, went away, then some other touch point, right? Maybe they came to sap.com. How does that journey look? <clears throat> what needs to be in place, not just from a technology standpoint, but also upskilling the organization to be able to meet the challenges of what marketing looks like today and how it will be tomorrow. Um, so yeah, so from in terms of tactics, I would say it's heavily, heavily focused on digital right now. And digital itself is so many things, right? But yes, um, yeah, that's And uh, I could ask you this because I share the same passion being, you know, B2B is my focus, but what do you love about B2B marketing? Ooh, I love so many things about B2B marketing. Um, I've done B2C before, right? And I 
when I was building my B2C organization back when I was a CMO um, at, that e at an e-commerce company, it was all about the skill sets of the people and being able to do the campaigns to reach a wide number of people. And then ORM and everything came into play. But B2B is not like that. B2B is, I love the messaging piece, you know, really crisp and clear articulation of the product's value proposition and why this audience is the one that will resonate with it the most, right? So that piece has to be very tight and very crisp and you know, as close to perfect as possible. Then the other piece is the sales collaboration, because without that, uh, you know, if you, if, this is a problem that we have dealt with in SAP in bits and parts. I don't think we're quite there there yet in terms of solving it, but companies, the larger they get, they tend to be, become silos. So sales is doing its own thing, marketing is doing its own thing, and they're not talking. When without the talk, there is no amplification of efforts. When there is talk, when there's flow between those two organizations, you know, you can reach heights that you cannot individually. That's very clear. Um, what else? I like, um, I, know, I like the thought leadership piece of B2B marketing. I, I like how that comes about um, in terms of writing, speaking, engaging people in, okay, if, if this is how far this particular technology will get us, then how far will the next one get us? And what does that mean? What does that bridge look like? What does that transition look like? So yeah, thinking through all of that, speaking to people is it's really, really cool. I agree. So tell us a little bit about your uh, time in Texas and uh, particularly uh, any, any travels you did to San Antonio where we are headquartered. Oh, wow, nice. Yes, yeah, so Texas brings back fond memories. I went to school there uh, to UT um, Austin. <clears throat> And I lived there from 2001 to 2005, where I did my two masters that I mentioned. But funnily, um, I landed in the U.S. Uh, first time traveling as a 21-year-old um, on July 31st, 2001. And within a month and a half, 9-11 happened. And I remember this distinctly because it was me and my roommate, and we did not have a TV. We were poor, poor students, poor kids, right? Um, so my cousin, uh, my roommate's uncle called her and told her that hey, this has happened. And we thought he was joking because we couldn't conceive of something like that happening and it happened. Then we turned on the radio and we listened to it. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have cars. Um, and I was so struck by the way people responded to that, that tragedy. Because remember, remember, I came from India as a 21 year old and there you're almost was desensitized to the loss of human life sometimes. It becomes a statistic. You see 10,000 people were killed in this train accident. And we forget the value of each individual life. But when I experienced in Austin and at the 9-11 times, people crying for people that they had never met, that empathy, that feeling of that we've been, we personally felt hurt. That was just a remarkable moment. And then San Antonio is someplace that uh, we used to go frequently uh, to that waterfront area where there are lots of restaurants. Riverwalk. Yes. Riverwalk. <laughs> I love that place. I love that place. Uh, is that the only place we could go to, you know, when we would pool together resources and, you know, rent a car in San Antonio, the closest and lots of fun. I love that place. Yeah, well, most people are moving from California to Texas. You went the other way. Mm -hmm. Most people are moving from California to Texas. That's so, news yeah, to me. Yeah, Austin has got a huge, I mean, not, not like half of California is moving or anything, but a lot of people that are uh, new newcomers to 
Texas tend to be from California who are California. Uh, trying to yeah. uh, escape the uh, taxes. So. Yes, 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 understandable. And now the weather too, right? With all the fires and everything. Um, yeah, for sure. As if earthquake and pandemics weren't enough, now California also has fires pretty frequently. Yeah, and they're recurring every other year. So it's, it's a scary, scary world, yeah. So on, yes. on, a, on a personal side, uh, have you picked up any new hobbies or what have you been doing to keep busy during this uh, work from home period? Ah, so more than keep busy, I would call it keeping my sanity. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I've been doing. I've been writing a lot um, on Medium, like I said, um, short stories and poetry. I've been doing Tai Chi. That's something I picked up. Nice. I've been um, running a lot. I mean, I, I'm a new runner. I'm not, it's not something that is, so, but, I, but I picked it up. So I've been running two miles a day, which is nice. Um, what else? Cooking, which I still hate. Don't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> but I've managed to corral it to where I'm doing it once a week and then it make it last somehow. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, all of those things. Hmm. Oh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm also doing, uh, taking Reiki classes. So I took Reiki one, I'm doing Reiki two uh, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. I have two LinkedIn questions for you. Okay. Very, very specifically <laughs> LinkedIn. So as you know, you already, uh, you, you're already amazed on our crack team of detectives here. But uh, looking at your LinkedIn profile, you have a lot of different licenses and certifications. Mm -hmm. One is particularly, you know, one in particular is very unique. What inspired you to take the LinkedIn e-learning course on developing emotional intelligence? Curious Ooh. about that. Great question. Um, and yes, it was a very intentional choice. So what happens um, as you grow, grow in your career, uh, as I grew in my career, I've always been a very outcome driven person, um, very much focused on, okay, this is what my job description is. I start from here, but I like to build on that and deliver more value. And I feel that's the reason I hold a job is to give value to my company. But as I grew in my, in my career, I felt that my values are not necessarily the same as those around me. And often that creates a conflict that you didn't do your job. No, 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 you didn't do your job. No, you didn't do your job. So I feel that where we can have a common, um, common uh, plate to pull from uh, is emotional intelligence and understanding that everybody has their value, even if it's not the same as my value. And how can I bring that? How can I enhance that, help them give their breast, even if it doesn't conform to my idea of what they should do? So I started with doing that course. I've been you know, delving into emotional intelligence for a while. I think it's a very important component of leadership that people are different and that diversity is important because that brings something, that spark that you by yourself cannot. Um, and to enhance that, the path to getting there is emotional intelligence and understanding and being empathetic with people and their diverse skills. That's where it kind of came from. I like that. And, and then we have another, it's another question that we ask all of our guests. Sometimes I get to ask it, sometimes AJ gets to ask it. It's one we ask every episode. It's in regards to LinkedIn. A lot of people, I mean, you're a global marketing director. AJ's a CEO. I, I would imagine tons of messages that you're getting from people on LinkedIn. So our question always is, 
what's a message that you respond to? What's a message mm -hmm. that makes you say, okay, I'm going to connect with this uh, person. And what's a pet peeve? What's one that you just hate seeing that never uh, gets you to click accept? Uh, I feel as we spoke about this when the first time we talked, but um, I actually wrote something on, <laughs> on this. Uh, and understand right i understand that 2020 has made us focus on digital in a way that we have not, never before but what's happened as a buyer as a marketing buyer my messages which used to be um, you know the cold the soliciting messages went from maybe two or three a week to 20 25 a week and then um if i don't respond then they will top up with I think you didn't see it. I'm bringing it back up to the inbox, top of the inbox, top of the inbox. And the thing that is hard to communicate to them each personally is that it's my lack of response is not personal. It's because of a combination of two or three things. One, I'm running out of time in the day. Two, I don't have an answer for you because my budgets have already been confirmed elsewhere. And we are scrambling to deal with this new situation. We are, you know, um, and budgets freeze. The first thing that happens in large companies is that when such something dramatic happens, budgets freeze. So there's nothing I can tell you and there's nothing I can uh, help by even having a conversation. The, the ones that I will click are the ones that I feel have read through. Um, by the way, in my summary, I've put my link to my article there. So it's impossible to miss if anybody goes through my profile. They will know that this is the reason I'm not responding but most people don't. They will reach out anyway and they'll reach out over and over and over. Uh, and then I just, I just don't have the energy to respond to so many individually. When I feel that they've read that and they understand my position and they're reaching out anyway, then I do respond back saying that this is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm grateful you read that through. You understand my position. Please come back to me in January when budgets unfreeze and then we'll have a conversation and see where to place you in the plans. That's, that's always my response. So perhaps when people hear this, they will <laughs> also yeah. understand that that is, that is the position, yeah. It's so I guess this is not a great business. time to pitch to you. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and not just me, I think most people are in this place where we are, we are reframing what marketing means. How do we reach out? What do we do? And in this period of change, if you add more stress to the system, it's not going to get you the answer you want. Right. You have to give it time for things to percolate and settle so that then what you get is actually valuable for both parties. It makes a lot of sense. So Perma is uh, somebody who also came from India and uh, lived in the U.S. Uh, uh, I, I saw you have worked both in India and U.S., which I didn't have the yeah. opportunity to do. I've worked uh, mostly in the U.S., so I was curious, you know, what, what's kind of some of the differences uh, between the uh, work environments and atmosphere within SAP, whether if you work in India or whether you work in the California office? Yeah. Are you ready for another story? <laughs> we are ready. That's what yeah. we're all about. We have time. We love your stories. <laughs> okay. Uh, so after working in the U.S. for, after living in the U.S. for about 12 years, I went back to India with a fellowship because I wanted to spend one year in nonprofit after my MBA. Um, and that's what I did. I took one year, went back, did the nonprofit thing, 
and then I pivoted to going, went back to the private sector. Now, you and both of you have interviewed with companies before. Let me ask you a question. When you join a company, how many times in an interview have you asked them the question, are you an ethical slash honest company? Do you ask that? I think so. Unfortunately not, no, I don't. Yeah, because we don't, we don't ask that because we take that as a fundamental, you know, right. that's, that's a basic, that at least be honest. Okay, so here's what happened. Uh, this is one of the companies I worked with and I left in three months uh, because they were not, they, now understand that always a marketing profile has budgets that we manage. So what this CEO wanted me to do was to do fraudulent stuff with, with the budget, right? So he had to show his investors that the website traffic was growing, but website traffic grows if we do a certain kind of lead generation that brings in prospects to the website. If you go and give it to a bot and you just show an increase in website hits without showing the lead pipeline, a good, mature, high quality lead pipeline, then it's throwing the money away. And I refuse to do that. I said, it's your money. You can do whatever you want, but I'm out of here. So that just goes to show a lot of those things are, I won't say acceptable in India, but they happen. And I wasn't prepared to ask the right questions so that I would find a company that met my values until SAP happened. And that kind of saved me in, in a lot of ways. So um, yeah, so being conscious of that was important. Uh, the other piece of that you might hear very often is India, the work, work culture is very high energy. Uh, work hours are very long. Uh, it's, it's a lot of, lot of, lot more effort. And that's true. That's true. Uh, if you have a great leader, your experience is better, but that's true even in the US. Um, and if you don't, then it's harder. I will also say that as a woman, I found it harder in, the, in India than in the US. The, the playing field is still not equal. Well, to be honest, it's not equal even here, uh, as we read in the media, but it's still significantly better than what is there. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, even in the U.S., uh, especially in the marketing world, uh, bots and uh, you know bots have been a big problem in the digital advertising space. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. But I think uh, it's, it's just an unfortunate situation all around. And, yeah. yeah. And the and the other learning there was, you know, a lot of people at that time told me just put up with it. You know, put up and shut up. And I was like. How are my well-wishers giving me this advice when I will have a hard time looking at myself in the mirror tomorrow morning if I go along with this unethical scheme? Right. And I, I, just, I just left and I've never, never regretted it. So always be with your values because ultimately if you let that go, then there's nothing else, you know, to support you. Yeah, couldn't, couldn't agree more. We have uh, stood up and uh, called out some of our competitors gotten yes. cease and desist for the exact same order issues, but uh, we stood our ground and uh, backed our claims. So. Oh, good, good. Very good. I'm proud of you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, AJ, you've actually become kind of like the, uh, almost like the face, if I will, uh, like anti-fraud in, mm. in, the, uh, in the business. You'll see, you know, a lot of AJ's thought leadership pieces you'll see online as well are all about anti-fraud so uh oh, nice. you know, we salute you aj the industry salutes you <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right 
let's get back to uh, Paroma here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Paroma, uh, the question I have, it's, uh, you know, you've given us, you know, such great uh, advice and uh, advice to, to the listeners. Looking back though, uh, you know, as far as what, what are some of the best pieces of advice that you received during your career? And what would you share with, with the audience? Ah, okay. This is the so deep I, question. We get deep on this is. one towards the end. It is, huh? So I'll share one piece of advice I got from someone else and then one from, my, from myself. Um, the one, uh, so the second one first. Um, if you don't lead change, then change will lead you. What I mean by that is... Um, whether you are a B2B professional of any kind or whether you're a marketer, the world around us is changing very rapidly. And it's upon us each as each individual to keep learning enough that we feel confident in ourselves. I see so much of ultra specialization sometimes that people latch onto something and they say that I'm good at this and I'm only good at this and this is all I will do. And then suddenly they're in a place where that particular role is not needed or it has evolved in a way that's left them behind. So um, that will happen. And it's not anybody's fault. It's not your boss's fault or your team's fault that they're letting you go. It's you have to constantly learn more and keep yourself cognizant, not just technolo technologically, because that's changing a lot, but the market is changing. Value propositions are changing. The way people interact and interfaces are changing. The way you deliver value is changing. Everything is constantly changing. And that is normal. That's not abnormal. That's the norm. So the only way for us to still remain viable as a contributor of value for a company is to change. So lead change. Otherwise, it will lead you. That's, that's piece number one. And something that someone told me once, uh, again, this was SAP India. Uh, and the situation was that I was going mad because I was trying to solve the problem and I was not being able to solve it. Uh, we had had some change in processes and the leads I was generating through my events and my, my tactics were not converting. And I had turned over every stone. You know, I was trying to find the solution. I was trying so hard to fix the problem. And I finally went to the CMO and said, you know what, I've tried everything that I could think of. I've explored every, and I can't fix the problem. Please tell me what should I do? And the only thing he said is this, he did not solve the problem, right? He, he told me that add so much value that the KPIs don't matter. That's not the solution to my problem. But I took a step back and I was like, add so much value that the KPIs don't matter. And that changed my world, that changed my entire approach to things because I was so focused on the KPIs and I was losing sight of the forest for the trees kind of thing, right so I unplugged and I focused on sales collaboration I focused on programs I focused on the big big things that SAP was helping change how do I articulate that in a different way I completely stopped thinking about ta tactics and I zoomed out and the following year I met I think I had a 300% realization on my KPS. It just happened automatically. So those are the two things I would say. Uh, yeah. I, I love it. And that is an amazing way to wrap up the marketing stir. Paroma, this has been fun. We hope you enjoyed yourself. We appreciate you being here. 
I loved it. Thank you, Vincent and Ajay. This was so much fun. And you're right. It's been the best meeting of my day so far. All right. Uh, well, you still have a lot in your day. Hopefully it stays that way. But no, this has been, uh, this has been awesome. Such an easy conversation to have with you. Thank you so much for doing that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is Paroma Sen. She is the Global Marketing Director for SAP. I, of course, am Vincent Petrofessa. That's AJ Gupta. This has been another episode of The Marketing Stir. 40,000 listeners thus far. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to The Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, email us at info at themarketingstir.com. Thanks for listening.